From the Love Worth Finding studio in Memphis, Tennessee, I'm Byron Tyler here with Kerry Vaughn, the CEO of Love Worth Finding. Kerry, today, Adrian Rogers continues our series, Foundations for Our Faith. Now, we tackled volumes one and two last year. Now we're finishing up with volume three. Now, our friends can catch up at lwf.org or get the resource of My LWF app, it's a great way to catch up. This is a great series, 27 Messages on How to Walk Through Uncertain Times. The subtitle, A Solid Word for an Unsure Age. You know, that's us, Byron. That's exactly where we are today. And these are all messages from the Book of Romans. So far, we've heard about sin and salvation. Today, we're moving into the area of sanctification. And Adrian Rogers calls these lessons the much more. You know, we've just spent the past few weeks seeing what the Apostle Paul has to say about sin and then about salvation. But God is not finished with us yet. Now it's time for us to move on and learn about not sin or salvation, but sanctification, that which makes us better and stronger Christians as we build upon foundations for our faith, which Paul provides for us in this wonderful book of Romans. We're looking for a solid word for this unsure age, and we want to grow and keep on growing as we learn. We're going to discover what Paul called the much more that is ours in Jesus Christ. It's a shame when people get saved and settle down and don't learn the much more. That is how to live victoriously, how to possess what is now ours in Christ, how to have a strong prayer life, and even to have the absolute certainty of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Carrie, today the message with Adrian Rogers is called The Secret of Effectual Prayer, Part 1. Our scripture references Romans chapter 11, verse 36. And you know, we ask Adrian Rogers, is it really a secret? No, it's an open secret. It's a sacred secret, but it is an open secret. I call it a secret uh, because, first of all, people like to hear anything that is entitled the secret. But the truth of the matter is that it's right there, black print on white paper, that of him and through him and to him are all things. And the secret is, if there is a secret, it is simply put that the prayer that gets to heaven is the prayer that starts in heaven, and what we do is close the circuit. Kerry, you know, when we understand that prayer is a cycle, that like everything else in the world, it revolves around Jesus, we will really learn the secret of effectual prayer. Well, that's true. You know, Dr. Rogers would say that prayer is our best weapon. It is our most effective tool. He also said that prayer does not bend God's will to fit our will, but prayer finds the will of God and gets in on it. (laughs) And that's exactly what we need to do, right? Find out where God's moving and go get right in the middle of it. Well, Kerry, this month's ministry offer goes hand-in-hand with the series we're in on the Book of Romans, and it's a wonderful resource. More Than Conquerors. It's a great Bible study. You know, the believers in Rome faced opposition from the government, from their own families, and even within their church. And the Apostle Paul taught them how to walk through uncertain time by laying a solid faith foundation. This month, we're offering an eight-week Bible study on the Book of Romans. Well, friends, this month's ministry resource can be yours for a gift of any amount when you call 1-877-LOVE-GOD. Or you can give online at lwf.org radio. With today's message, 
The Secret of Effectual Prayer, Part 1. Here's Adrian Rogers. Down in the Atlantic, there's a vast body of water bounded by three sides that is called the Bermuda Triangle. Some people call it the Devil's Triangle because it is said that airplanes fly into that area and disappear. It is said sometimes that ships sail into that area and they're never seen again. The Devil's Triangle. Now, they say it's mystery. I believe it's myth. I don't believe there's anything to it whatsoever. But there's another triangle today that is not mystery. It is miracle. It is not myth. It is true. It does not cause things to disappear. To the contrary, it brings things into being. It is the divine triangle. And you're going to read about it in Romans chapter 11 and verse 36. For of him, that's the Lord, and through him and to him are all things. Now, see the triangle. For of him and through him and to him are all things. Now, really, this is the theme of the Bible. It speaks of the sovereignty of Almighty God who has brought everything into being, who controls everything, and will consummate everything. For of Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. How wonderful that is. That's the theme of the Bible. For example, Genesis 1-1 begins how? In the beginning God, for of Him. And then in the book of the Revelation, uh, Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. For of Him and through Him, and to him are all things. Now, this is true in the spiritual realm. It is true in the physical realm. Let's think a little bit about the physical realm. For example, put in your margin there Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. <laughs> I love that passage of Scripture. It is such a blessing to me. Colossians 1, verses 16 and 17. It talks about how the Lord Jesus created everything, sustains everything, and how everything is going to culminate in Him. Speaking of Jesus, it says, For by Him are all things. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. That's just a restatement of what Paul said over here in Romans 11 and verse 36. Now, notice it says, by the Lord Jesus Christ, everything came into being. All things were created. That is, Jesus Christ is the power of creation. Amen. Where did everything come from? You know, to be an atheist is not a sign of intelligence. I mean, if you think that uh, nothing times nobody equates to everything, I think you've got rooms to rent upstairs unfurnished. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. Uh, Sir Fred Hoyle was a leading astronomer and mathematician in the British Academy of Science. Here's what he said, and I want to quote, <laughs> We must now admit to ourselves that the probability of life arising by chance by evolution 
is the same probability of throwing six on the dice five million consecutive times. Now you think about that. Just get a pair of dice and roll. You'd have to roll six five million consecutive times. And then he goes on to challenge his scientific brothers by saying, let's be specifically and scientifically honest with ourselves. The probability of having life arise to greater and greater complexity in organization by chance is the same probability of having a tornado tear through a junkyard and form out the other end a Boeing 747. And then this great scientist said, the random and impersonal chance does not create complexity in design. You couldn't have the human eye by random and chance. No, Jesus is the power of creation. But I'll tell you something else. Not only is Jesus the power of creation, but Jesus is the preserver of creation because it is of Him and through Him. You see, our passage says here that by Jesus all things consist. That is, they hang together. Jesus is the glue of the galaxies. It's Jesus that fuels the sun with energy. It's Jesus who veils the moon with beauty. It's Jesus who guides the planets and the stars in their orbits. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26, he says, Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things that bringeth out their host by number? Talking about the stars. He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for he is strong in power. Not one faileth. That means that it is God who keeps this vast and mighty universe regulated. Jesus is the reason and the regulator. He is the power and he is the preserver of all creation. I don't know whether you think about the vastness of our universe, but light travels at 186,282 miles per second. That's around the world by the time you blink your eyes seven times. It'll go around the world seven times. By the time you could blink your eyes faster than I could make seven orbits with my finger, light travels that fast. It takes eight and a half minutes to get from the sun. Eight and a half minutes, that's 93 million miles away. But to the closest star traveling at that uh, speed, it takes it four and a half years. But now the closest star, four and a half light years away, light traveling at 186,000 miles a second, that's the closest star. But friend, we have stars that are billions of miles away. The furthest thing that you can see is a quasar. It's 15 billion light years away. I'm talking about the closest thing you could see through the giant telescope on Mount Palomar. There are pieces of astronomy that are out there billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of light years away. A 15 billion light years, that's 90 billion trillion miles away, and who knows what's behind that. You know, Albert Einstein, the genius. Albert Einstein started out as a young man. He was an atheist in 1932. But in 1950, he was no longer an atheist. Albert Einstein said, this is mathematically impossible that this universe could come into being and be regulated apart from a higher power. I wish that Albert Einstein had known that higher power is Jesus, don't you? I wish he had known that. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the power of creation, Jesus is the preserver of creation, and Jesus is the purpose of creation. This passage of Scripture in Colossians says all things were created by Him and for Him. And the word for is a preposition which means motion toward an object. People want to know what the world is coming to. It's coming to Jesus. It's all created 
for Him. He is the consummator as well as the creator of the universe. It's all for Him. Did you think He made it for you? It is by Him, through Him, and to Him are all things. Now, that's in the physical realm. The same triangle is true in the spiritual realm. Think of salvation. How does salvation work? Of Him, through Him, and to Him. Who thought up the idea of salvation? God thought it. Who brought it about? God wrought it. And why did He do it? That we might know Him and come to Him. For of Him, we love Him because He first loved us. He sent His Son. Through Him, Jesus suffered, bled, and died. It is to Him when we trust in Him. He draws us to Himself, and we will live with Him forever and give Him the glory. It's true in salvation. It's also true in sanctification. How are you going to be more like Him? For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. You see, it is God who energizes us to make us more like Him. Holiness is not the way to Christ. Christ is the way to holiness. For it is of Him and through Him and to Him. It's true in stewardship. You can't give anything to God. It's already His. It's already His. The Bible says, Of thine own have we given unto thee. You see, it is of Him and through Him and to Him. It's true in salvation. It's true in sanctification. It's true in stewardship, and friend, it is especially true in prayer. I want to talk to you today about prayer. I want to talk to you about effectual prayer, and I want to show you how this divine triangle teaches us to pray, that you're going to see that in prayer, God is the origin of effectual prayer. It is of Him. God is the operation of effectual prayer. It is through Him. And God is the objective of effectual prayer. It is to Him. Now, if you learn this, you'll learn something about prayer that I was a grown man in preaching before I ever learned about prayer. Now, think, first of all, about the origin of prayer. What is the origin of prayer? It is the purpose of God. It is of Him. It is of Him. You see, the prayer that gets to heaven is the prayer that starts in heaven. The prayer that gets to heaven is the prayer that starts in heaven. It is of Him. What is the purpose of prayer? What did the Lord Jesus teach us about prayer? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, prayer, therefore, is not man's way of getting man's will done in heaven. It is God's way of getting heaven's will done on earth. It is God's way of getting heaven's will done on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The origin of effective prayer is the purpose of God. It is of God. Now, why does God, why does God use prayer? Hey, have you ever thought about the mystery of prayer? Prayer is so mysterious. I have pondered about it. Why would God want us to tell Him what He already knows? Why would God want us to ask for what He already knows we need? I mean, He already knows what things you have need of before you ask, and He's a loving God. So why pray? Well, I'll tell you why He wants us to pray. Because He has given us the privilege of working with Him 
in the regulation and the administration of the universe. That's a great privilege to work with God. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, we are laborers together with him. I will fly with people in private airplanes. Sometimes it might be just the pilot and myself, one of those airplanes would have side-by-side -side seats. I've done this before, and the pilot would say, do you want to fly this thing? I say, yes. So I take over the controls, and I'm flying the airplane. He's right there alongside of me. <laughs> yes, sure, of course, or I wouldn't be up here preaching. But he's, he's right there alongside of me, Am I flying the airplane? Well, in a sense, I'm flying the airplane, but I'm flying the airplane in cooperation with him under his instruction, with his encouragement, with his background, all of this. He's flying that airplane in a sense, but he's given me the privilege of flying that airplane along with him. Well, when that happens, that happens, that there's a thrill there. Now, you see, he could do it. He could do it without me, and God could run this universe without you. You could not do it without him. I couldn't fly that airplane without the pilot. But what a joy it is to cooperate and to have that fellowship. And you see, when there's that fellowship, there's the second reason, there's that bonding. Prayer is the way to bond you to God. Now, God doesn't want you to live your life independent of Him. And so if He just gave you everything you never needed to ask and depend upon Him and trust Him and look to Him, you wouldn't have that bonding. But God makes us perpetually dependent upon Him, that we come to Him, that we ask of Him, we have that fellowship. There's that bonding, there's that fellowship that comes between believer and the Lord when we pray. And then another reason is that prayer disciples us. I mean, it makes us more like the Lord Jesus. Have you ever prayed and asked God for something and the prayer wasn't answered? Of course. Well, He might have said no, that might have been the answer, but you didn't get what you asked. And you said, well, why? Why didn't I get what I asked? Now, James says, Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you might consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And so you get to thinking, have I been a friend of the world? Has there been sin in my life? Well, the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And in prayer, my life is being conformed more and more to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I get my heart clean, and I get in fellowship with God that I might get my prayer answered. Yes, prayer is God's way of fellowshipping with us, bonding us to Him, discipling our lives, and whether you understand it or not, the Bible has commanded us to pray, and that prayer begins in the heart and mind of God. It begins with God, for of Him, the purpose of God is the origin of prayer. Now, friend, prayer is not bending God's will to fit your will. Prayer is finding the will of God and getting in on it for of Him. All right, now, we're talking about the origin of prayer, and it is the purpose of God. You got that? The origin of prayer is the purpose of God. Now, think about the operation of prayer. For not only is it of Him, but it is through Him. Not only does God originate the desire, but God enables us to pray, and it comes through Him, through the Holy Spirit of God. Now, it is God that gives us, first of all, the desire to pray. Did you know that your flesh has absolutely no desire to pray? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, there's none that seeketh after God, no, not one. And the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that the carnal mind is enmity with God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. What does that mean? It means that your nature, your Adamic nature, has about the same desire to pray as your dog has to see opera. Amen. 
you don't have any desire to pray. That is not a natural instinct. As a matter of fact, your natural instinct is to shy away from God, just like Adam and Eve ran and hid from God in the garden. We don't seek Him. He sought us. Adam, where art thou? You see, it is the Holy Spirit of God that gives us the desire to pray. And in that same eighth chapter of Romans, God says this, that God has sent forth His Spirit into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. That means Daddy, Father. It's as natural for a Spirit-filled person to want to pray as it is for a little child to say Daddy to his Daddy. See, Abba, Father means Daddy, Father. So, prayer is through Him. It is the Lord who gives us the desire to pray. And then it is the Lord who gives us the direction to pray. How are we going to know what to pray for? I think this is the biggest problem that most of us have is finding the will of God in prayer. Is that not true? Sure. You see, the Bible says this is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask Him anything according to His will, He heareth us. Well, it is the Holy Spirit of God in us that gives us that direction so that we will know how to pray. Sure, the Bible says, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But friend, that doesn't settle it. I mean, it is true. But the problem many times is that sometimes we want things we don't need. Isn't that true? Sometimes we need things we don't want. My dad used to say, you need a spanking. I didn't want one, but I needed one. And sometimes we need to pray for some things that we need that we don't want. And then sometimes we want things that we already have. We're asking God to give us what we already have. We might be asking God to give us authority over the devil. You already have that. You already have that. Use it. So how are we going to know how to pray? In Matthew 18, Jesus Christ said this, I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now, friend, if you have that set of keys, you've got something. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> Think about that. The keys of the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus said, And whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, if any two of you shall agree, on earth is asking anything, is touching anything, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, he's talking about prayer. And he's talking about binding and loosing. But the Greek scholars rightly tell us that what that Scripture says is this, that whatever you bind on earth has already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth has already been loosed in heaven. What that means is this, that we need to go up in heaven and see what is happening in heaven and bring it down to earth, to bring it down to earth. You see, Manly Beasley used to say, success is this, just find out what God is up to and join Him. Just find out what God is up to. Look into heaven and find out what is in the heart and mind of God in heaven, what God is binding and loosing in heaven. And then by prayer, you bind and loose it here on earth. 
And coming up tomorrow, we're going to hear part two of this vital message from Adrian Rogers. But maybe today you have a prayer request that you'd like to share with us. At Love Worth Finding, it's one of our great honors to come alongside you and pray with you and for you. If you can, go to our website homepage at lwf.org radio and scroll down to our prayer wall. There you'll find the option to submit a prayer request or pray for others. This resource is one of our favorite ways to keep the ministry and the community praying continually for one another's needs. Let us hear from you today. Well, thank you for studying in God's Word with us. If you want to partner with us in sharing these timeless messages, consider becoming an ambassador of the Word. Learn more about that at lwf.org radio. And join us tomorrow for the profound conclusion of the secret of effectual prayer right here on Love Worth Finding.